All right. <clears throat> Welcome to everybody again to Fellowship Church. Good morning. Happy second Sunday of Advent. Happy December, which is crazy. Uh, my name is Lee Shepherd. My wife and I lead the prayer team here at Fellowship. Um, this morning we are, uh, as you've heard, we're continuing our Advent series where we are looking at what it means uh, that Jesus was born to be king. And we've already gotten an incredible glimpse of that this morning. Uh, it's always amazing when the, the worship time is really just a nice warm-up to the preach. Um, yeah, just in, in the songs that we sing and the words from Trenton and Cassie, um, yeah, we, we see this morning that there's, there's more than just a birth story that we look at at Advent. It is, it is more than just a baby in a manger as mind-altering as that is, that, that we want to look and see who is it that Jesus came to be what did he come to do? And that is to be our King and our Lord and our Savior. Um, and so this morning, uh, we're in Romans chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 12 through 21. I'm going to invite my lovely wife, Julie, up to read for us. Uh, and it's going to be on the screen. You can follow along. Would you please, would you stand as we read God's Word together, Julie? Okay. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> all right. Merry Christmas. Right? <laughs> uh, I, if Paul taking a deep dive into Adam, sin, death, Jesus, grace, uh, if that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit, I, I honestly, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, 
So this morning we're going to be looking at a topic that uh, you may or may not be very familiar with, uh, and that is this idea that Jesus came as the second Adam. Um, I'll be honest, uh, when Chad asked me to, to preach on this for, for Advent, um, I, I, was, I was a little excited because um, just it's, it's different and I felt, you know, special and unique. Um, but I, I think more than that, I, I, was, I was pretty intimidated because, it, I mean, it really is. It's a deep, it's a, it's a challenging passage. Um, and I, really more than that, it's just it's not what we expect to hear at Christmas, right? Um, just, we're expecting the story of a baby, and somehow, you know, we, we know that God in Jesus was incarnated at his birth. And it, somehow, Emmanuel, God with us, as crazy as that, as that truly is, it feels almost commonplace uh, to hear at Christmas. Um, and so often when we look at um, the manger, we, we expect to see God being born in the flesh, right? But we don't often hear and see that at the same time, a new humanity is being born as well. Um, and so that's, um, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And really, we've kind of got a couple of things. Um, it's Christmas, so it's going to be kind of a two-for-one uh, sermon, if you will, um, because Paul is not the only one that has this idea that talks about this idea of Jesus being the second Adam. Uh, John, in his gospel, does the same thing. It's just not as overt as Paul. Um, and so we're going to look at Romans first, and we're going to get the, the big picture, kind of the theological basis, the theological perspective of what it means that Jesus is the second Adam. Uh, and then we're going to look at John's gospel to see how that kind of plays out practically in the life of Jesus. All right, let's go. So this morning, our big idea is that Jesus's advent means in him, new creation has begun Breaking the reign of sin for all people. His birth, his advent, his, his kingdom means that any other kingdoms have to fall. They can't stand in the face of his reign. You know, last week Chad preached about the, the contrast of the light that has risen through Jesus, through his kingdom, through his birth, through his coming, in contrast to a world that is covered in darkness, a world that all it knows is sin and death and pain and suffering. And that the promise of Advent has always been that in the deepest darkness, God comes with his light to break through and that that darkness cannot overcome it. It cannot stop God's light from shining through in his people. Um, and that's exactly what this passage is all about in Paul. Um, that there is a darkness in sin and death that has spread to every corner of the world. It is spread to every person, to every heart. Um, and the language that Paul uses is this ruling and reigning through a representative. So through 
one man through Adam's sin has come to have a place that it was never meant to have. Death reigns where Adam should have reigned, where God's image bearer should have been the one ruling over God's good creation. Now death is there. And I want to I reread um, the passage. I've, I've separated out the, the two sides of sin and grace just to make it a little bit clearer. And I don't, I don't recommend rearranging Scripture, all right? But sometimes it, it is helpful just to kind of get a little bit clearer picture of what, uh, especially when Paul uh, kind of has a lot of run-on sentences. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so Paul's first picture is that death reigns through Adam. And this is what it says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. Sin was in the world before the law was given. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Many died through one man's trespass, the result of that one man's sin. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. By the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. The law came in to increase the trespass so that sin reigned in death. And so you can see just how dark the picture really is. Because every person is represented in Adam. Every person is in Adam. And so we are all under the same penalty of sin. And that is why our great hope is someone who is not in Adam. Our great hope, what we need is a new humanity. What we need is someone that's not touched by Adam's sin. We need a new representative. And that is what we get in Jesus. And we can see the contrast um, as, as Paul talks about that grace can now reign through sin, that the death that reigned through Adam is done and now all that is left is grace reigning through Jesus. And this is what it says. The free gift is not like the trespass. The grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The free gift brought justification. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. By the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more so that grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now grace can reign through Jesus. We're no longer under the reign of sin and death because we no longer have to be in Adam. We can be in Christ His obedience, his righteousness can stand in for our sin and for our guilt because Jesus came to establish a new people ruled by grace and life. 
And that's our next point, that Jesus' advent creates a new family. Uh, so this passage comes in a larger section uh, in Romans from about Romans 3 into Romans uh, 8. And it's all about God's plan for humanity. And it has always been his purpose to work through a family. God's purpose has always been for humanity to represent him in relationship with one another as a family. And so first we have Adam and Eve who are called to fill the world with his glory. And then he calls Abraham. He establishes his family to restore the broken children of Adam. Right? And ultimately there's this promised son that is coming and that the promise is what he would do is to bring blessings to all the families of the earth. Um, so this picture, as I've been, as I've been reading, um, just this language of, of reigning and ruling and, and this idea that um, this kingdom has spread to the ends of the earth and that there's this new competing kingdom in Jesus that's coming. Uh, it, it, I'm a huge geek, and it, it made me think of a computer game that I played um, growing up uh, called Civilization, and I don't know how many guys, no, it doesn't matter. I know Scott's with me. <laughs> um, and in this, in this game, right, you start with at the dawn of humanity, and the goal is you're going to build up your civilization and, and conquer the world. Um, but really, the, the picture that I, that I want to leave you with is in the, in the corner, there's a map. And at the very beginning, you have one person that starts. And there's this little dot of blue or red or, you know, whatever, whatever your color is. And whatever you do in the game as you spread, as you grow, that blue just keeps going. There's nothing you can do to change that color. It's going to spread Wherever you go, and, and, and the picture here is that Adam is colored by sin. And that anything that Adam builds, anything that Adam does, any of Adam's children are colored by that same sin. Thank you. And so it spreads out. Wherever we go, there's nothing we can do to escape it. And one of, the, one of the, the saddest verses, one of the saddest passages that I know of in the Bible is in, is in Genesis 5. Um, and it says this, When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. Adam had been made in the image and the likeness of God. But because of his sin, that image gets broken. It's cracked. It's colored. It's stained. And so when Adam has a son, the son is no longer made in the image of God. He's made in the image of his father Adam, the image and the likeness that gets passed on is one that is stained and colored by sin. 
And so everything that comes after looks like Adam. Everything that comes after has Adam's flavor to it. And so death ruled over all of Adam's family. Even for us that didn't sin in the same way that Adam sinned. Death is reigning. So we, what we need is a new player. What we need is a new person, a new Adam. And what we have is Jesus born as a new humanity, not stained, not colored by Adam's sin. What we get is a new representative And everything that he builds, all of his descendants can no longer be touched by sin and death. They don't have to look like Adam anymore. They can look like Jesus because he is our new representative. He has started a new family. And in him, in his family, grace and life reign and cover us forever. And that is good news for all of us. Because Jesus' advent is good news for everyone. Right? If you have ever been touched by death, if you have ever felt the pain of loss, if you have ever experienced sin, you qualify for this good news. You qualify for what we sang about this morning, the hope in Christ You qualify to be rescued and brought into a new kingdom because everyone is bound up in Adam's sin. That means that everyone has the opportunity to receive freedom in Jesus. Just look at what Paul says. If through one man all men sinned, then through one new man all men can receive grace. If in one man all people are under judgment and condemnation, then through Jesus everyone can be justified and made righteous. If death reigned through one man, how much more will life reign in the one who conquered death for all people? It's for everybody. I think so often we think that our sin disqualifies us from the gospel. And it's the exact opposite. Our sin is the thing that qualifies us for the gospel. Because where sin is, grace can come and abound. If you haven't sinned, you don't need Jesus. But we all have every person in this room, every person on this planet needs to experience this. And it is the hope and it is the good news for everyone here in this church and in our city and everyone that you'll meet this week. All right, we made it. All right, uh, we're going to switch gears just a little bit. uh, And we're going to look at this from the perspective of John. Okay, everybody still with me? Fantastic. All right, so John never says in his gospel, I'm talking about Adam. 
here, right? He's much more creative than that. Um, so he, he gives us clues in the images that he uses and in the days of the week that he mentions. Uh, and so first he gives us a picture of creation. Um, and we all know John 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And automatically, we should be thinking of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that's not where the echoes of Genesis stop here in chapter 1. Um, John tells us uh, that in this, this first week that he talks about, this several days pass, and there's this pattern on the next day, on the next day, on the next day, on the third day. All right, so six days. And on the sixth day, there's a wedding. Okay, so if we're, if we're still, we still got our Genesis hats on, if we're still thinking about the Genesis story, we know that Adam and Eve are created on the sixth day and that God joined them together in marriage to fill the world with his glory. So if we look at Genesis 1, we see God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth uh, and again, in Genesis 2, we have the same picture. Um, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And when he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, at last, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother Hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So John's, John's creation story follows the same pattern of Genesis, and it starts with the hope of marriage that mankind would in fact fulfill its God-given purpose to be fruitful and multiply to rule over the world and to fill it with his glory as his image bearers. And this is a pattern that John is going to continue to use through his gospel. Um, this six days ending with an important event that reflects um, something from the life of Adam. And we can see that this sixth day, it holds a significance and it belongs to man and it belongs specifically to Adam and in it, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our um, expectations, they're bound up on this day. And in John, it starts with a wedding and it ends with a funeral. And that's what we see in our next day six. And it's in chapter 11 and it's again a familiar passage and it's the story of Lazarus. Um, in it, Lazarus is sick uh, and so his family sends a message to Jesus. Uh, and it says when Jesus heard it, he waited two days. And then when he arrives, it tells us Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus arrives on day six of this story. And if you're confused about the math, I can uh, explain it to you afterwards. 
Um, Jesus comes face to face with death. He faces all that the sixth day really means. All the pain, all the loss, all of the darkness and death that covers every life. And when he sees it, he weeps. He weeps from the pain, from the loss of a friend. From the fact that this is all of humanity's story. That all of that hope, all of that expectation that the beginning of creation brings is lost and ultimately covered over in death and buried in a grave. And so he weeps even though he knows what he's going to do. And this is Adam's story as well, right? Then we look back at Genesis Adam and Eve have been fooled by the snake. They've been tricked into eating the fruit. Um, And the consequences for him and for everyone else is death. Um, And this is what it says. God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. All right, one more day six. The last day six in John, and it's in John chapter 12, and it opens by saying, Jesus entered Jerusalem six days before the Passover. Um, hopefully at this point you believe me that this is actually something that John is doing. Um, and if you're following along, um, even if you don't know this story, you know that something bad is going to happen on Passover. And it's probably going to involve Jesus. And all of these threads of hope and expectation and creation and death and loss are all finally going to come together in one person. In Jesus, in our King, death and life meet on the sixth day at Passover. And the picture John is painting um, really begins with Jesus' trial before Pilate, um, this representative of this evil empire that has colluded with death in order to rule the entire world. And he stands before Jesus, and he declares, behold the man. Almost in mockery of God creating Adam, saying, look, here's the man I created. Behold the man in Jesus. He's going to hold all of the things that Adam represents in himself on this Passover So the trial ends and he's handed over to the soldiers and he has a crown of thorns placed on his head, this very curse that Adam was promised. Thorns and pain crown Jesus instead of a crown of glory. 
in the garden, God dresses Adam and Eve in order to cover up their trespass, in order to cover up their sin. And in the gospel, the soldiers strip Jesus to expose his guilt. It says that in the garden, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And on the cross, Jesus hangs naked, shamed before an entire city that's come out to watch him be executed. In the garden, God bends down and he gives his breath to Adam. And on the cross, Jesus is raised up and he gives his last breath to God. And he dies. The one that so many hoped would be the one that would break this cycle of the sixth day. The one that so many hoped in that death wouldn't rule over him. The one that just, just maybe, for once, hope would not be crushed by death. He dies, covered with all of humanity's shame, full of all of our fears, with a guilty verdict hanging over him. And just like Adam is taken out of the ground, Jesus is placed in the ground. And on the seventh day, God and man finally have their Sabbath rest. Incredibly, this is not the end of John's story. Uh, amen. <laughs> um, we look in John chapter 20. It says that on the first day of the week, Jesus was raised to life. And I think it's, it's incredible that all of the other gospel writers say on the third day, Jesus is raised. John's point is so much, so much bigger than that. This is not a continuation of what has gone before. This is a brand new day. This is a brand new morning. It is a new week because Jesus has died because he is raised. The old week is done. That old sixth, sixth day dominated, reigned over by sin and death is left in the grave. Jesus comes out and it is a new morning. It's that glorious morning that we sang about this morning. There's that thrill of hope for a world that is weary of just repeating the same pattern of sin and darkness again and again and again. Jesus' life breaks through and it is a brand new week, a brand new creation. And our new man, Jesus, our new representative, our new king, comes out of the tomb with new life for all of us. 
Um, And unlike Adam, who goes out of the garden into death, Jesus comes out of death into a garden. And again, if we look back at the Genesis story, when God causes Adam and Eve to leave the garden, he places an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance so that no one can get back to the tree of life. (laughs) This picture that the only way to life is through death. The only way to life is to pass through death, but none of Adam's children were strong enough to do it. None of Adam's children, because they were tainted, because they were colored, stained by sin, could pass through life into death. And so we needed this new man who could pass through life into death, back into the garden. So Jesus created a new family, a new family that could walk with him into life. And again, the similarities with Adam are there, that God made a bride for Adam by taking a rib from his side and making Eve Jesus' bride is made from blood and water that flows out of his side to wash us, to redeem us, to make us new. And that is how we enter into Jesus' new family that can walk in life together. I want to end with this. Um, Jesus' advent means we are a mourning people. We are a people of the first day of the week. We are a people that no longer live in the old week, the old creation. Sin and death no longer reign for us. Grace and life reign in us. And if we go back to last week in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That is who we are. We are a people that have raised with Jesus into a new and glorious morning. And if life and grace reign in us, we can carry that life and grace out with us into the world, out into our city. (laughs) Because it's good news for everyone. And if we carry it, it can overflow from us into everyone that we meet. And so for everyone in this room this morning, um, there's a way that you can experience this new morning. If you've never known what it means to have new life in Jesus, if you've never experienced, if your whole life has been walking in darkness, this morning, hope can be born in you. This morning, you can find life in Jesus. If you come in, I love what Cassie shared this morning that if you've come in and feel like the darkness is overwhelming, if it's pushing you down, if it's crushing you, if you can't see the light, someone will be up front this morning to pray with you. We'll walk with you into that morning. We'll walk with you and help you see the light that has dawned in Jesus for us. And I think one of the most practical ways that we can celebrate um, the fact that we are a new creation people is what we talked about for next weekend at Christmas shop 
that if we are a people that have found life and hope and light, we should be a people that spread that to others. We can give it away because we have an endless supply of it in our Savior. Um, I want to invite the, go ahead and invite the band up. Um, I'm going to pray with us. We're going to, we're going to spend some time uh, praying for the Christmas shop. Um, if you need prayer, the prayer team will be up front. Um, we want to just pray that our church, that fellowship would be a people that have found life where grace really rules in our lives and that we can give it away to others. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. Jesus, we praise you as the one who breaks the power of sin and death. We thank you that you came to establish a new kingdom, to establish a new family made up of people from every corner of the world, made up of people from every place where the curse has been found or every place that death has been found. Jesus, you have gone there and you've brought life and hope. Would we be a people that do the same, that look like our King and go into every place where sin and darkness are reigning? And would we bring your life and your peace and your comfort in Jesus' name?